Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Hey, Jay, for that introduction. And I also want to thank all my listeners from around the world. We are now in 51 different countries. This is so exciting. We have a message on never, ever give up hope that the world needs to hear and enjoys and is encouraged by. So I really want you to know that I appreciate each one of you as listeners and, of course, my guests, which make this show such a success because the guests have incredible stories. I also appreciate all your comments and your reviews. Thank you. Thank you. With me today is Cindy Sproles. She is an author, a speaker, managing editor for Straight Street Books and Sunrise Devotionals, and the executive editor and co-founder for Christian Devotions Ministries. Cindy is also the author of two nonfiction books and her debut novel, Mercy's Reign, which we're going to talk about. She is a SELA Award finalist and a Golden Scroll Award finalist. So we are really excited to hear what Cindy has to share in a lot of different areas today. And I thank you, Cindy, for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. Well, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. And I understand you are in Tennessee and in a snowstorm. (laughs) That's right, we are. (laughs) We usually get snow here, but not, not this much. We had that. Ended up with about seven inches by the time yesterday was over and another three this morning. And the weather forecast says ice and more rain. So we're looking at another possible eight inches. So, so you're, you're staying home, close to home. I'm staying home, yeah, <laughs> which is, you know, it's just nice. <laughs> That's right. And it's beautiful out there, I bet. It is. It is. It's a really pretty snow. Was there any time in your life, Cindy, going along with the, you know, the message of this show where you had to hold on and, and felt you were in a hopeless situation and how did you manage to get out? Oh, well, I don't know. I, don't, I know very few people who haven't at some point. Good in point. A, Good point. <laughs> in a hopeless situation. But um, if I sort of back through things, I suppose the one time that I felt that it, it, it was a hopeless time was, um, nearly 30 years ago, to be 30 years this June, um, that I was married to a minister, uh, and our marriage lasted about seven years. So we went through uh, a divorce. I ended up being a single mom with two little children under the age of three, uh, and, uh, on my own. And it was, 
it was one of those times where uh, no matter what you did, it didn't seem like anything was going to work out. Um, but, you know, God just kept taking care of us. I remember laying in my bed and reaching up uh, because the window was behind the bed, and I remember reaching up and turning uh, the, the blinds, the little knob for the blinds to open the blinds and looking through the window at the sun coming through and just saying, you know, God, I'm not asking you to fix this. I'm just asking you to get me through it. Um, just get me through, you know, uh, because you feel like there is just no one there to help you at all. Um, I was 900 miles away from my family <clears throat> and uh, had no money, car. Uh, and so it it was uh, it was a rough time, but God was faithful. He pulled us through. That's that's an interesting point that you're making because very often I think people pray and ask God to remove the problem, to remove the situation, and very often those situations are things that we brought on ourselves. And right. you know what you said was give me the strength to get through it. Help me get through it. You know, give me wisdom, give me insight. And that's what happened, right? That is what happened. And and I agree. Uh, You know, it's not always true, but 90% of the time it is true that it takes two for a marriage to fall apart. And, uh, and I, I didn't, I wasn't one that did the primary things, but I could have done some things differently. You know, and I, I look back on that now, and, and I remember once I got home, I, I was staying with my parents, uh, and my my mom came in my bedroom as I, I was just sobbing into my pillow. And my mom came into my bedroom and crawled up in the bed with me and put her arm around me, just like she did when I was a little girl. <laughs> you know, and she said, you know, there's nothing I can do to fix this, but I can tell you this. Um, what you need to do is look into your heart. Accept responsibility for the things that you did and release the responsibility of the things that you did not. And, uh, and seek forgiveness for those things. And, uh, and so, you know, I, that was good advice, uh, because it allowed me, uh, to not only go to, uh, God on my knees and say, you know, I could have done better in this area. I could have done better in this area. Um, even though I didn't do this part, there are things that I could have done differently. You know, and can you forgive me for those things? Uh, and then I went back to my ex-husband and said the same thing. You know, I, I didn't do some of the things you did, but I did this and I could have been better at it. I did this and I could have been better here. Can you forgive me? And of course he said, oh, well, yes. And then I sat there completely waiting for reciprocation. <laughs> You know where that went. Oh, dear. That's disappointing <laughs> at the moment. You know where that went. <laughs> but, um, but you know what? It gave me the opportunity to realize that, um, you know, I, sometimes we do, even if we're not intending to, sometimes we do make our own messes. And uh, and I, it's not always, um, I don't even want to say fair, but I don't know that it's right sometimes to say, God, fix it. Just make it better, you know. Um but it is fair for me to say, bring the need before him and say, uh, can you help me through this? Right. Uh, you know, I, I know because I think that's where so many people find disappointment in God is they expect God to just reach down and fix the situation. Um, 
And, and, you know, we, God forgives us. He loves us, but we still pay the price for our own sin. Um, the consequence doesn't leave. Um, but gosh, the mercy that is there and the forgiveness uh, and unconditional love that we find uh, within him and under his wing. Um, it, it makes life terrible and it makes you, it pulls you through when nothing else seems to be able to do that. Another thing that you have acquired through this is empathy. Yeah. And this is so important when we consider the things that we have been through in our lives and know that we can help other people because we have been there. Yes. And we would not be able to do that or at least do it as effectively if we had not ourselves gone through that. So it doesn't mean that you have to go through something in order to, you know, be uh, a tool for helping somebody, but it sure helps. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you yeah. can say, I've been there too, and I understand. Now, this is what I did. This is where I got my strength, you know. Yes. So very good point. And I like to hear as well that you said that you you did ask forgiveness because that's the only way that we can be forgiven. <laughs> Yeah. is to realize that there are two two sides to every story, right? And we do need to take responsibility. Oh, so very are, good. None of us are, none of us are perfect. And, um, you know, even in a situation where you are not the primary person who, you know, caused the deterioration of the marriage, it doesn't mean that there aren't things that you probably exactly play that, that you could have done differently, you know, and, and I look back now and think, well, you know, I could have harped a little bit, <laughs> you know, I could have, I could have been probably a little bit better support. You know, there were things that I looked back on and realized I wasn't perfect in all this. And so I couldn't lay all of the blame on my ex-husband. Uh, I had to stand up and take, you know, the part of it that, that was, that I knew I could have done better. Well, marriage doesn't come with a handbook any more than parenting. Nope. You know, we learn by doing. And if we think we didn't make mistakes, well, that's our biggest one right there. (laughs) Now, when did you first realize, Cindy, was it uh, at the time when you were going through your divorce or was it even before that when you realized what your passion was and that is writing? Oh, I realized that much, much, well, very, very early on. Um, I probably really became more passionate about it when I was in high school. Uh, and I started writing then. I had a wonderful English teacher that uh, encouraged me. However, as much as she encouraged me, we did not have the support system in our little county school to help teach us how to pursue those things. So when you when you said that you'd like to be a writer, the first thing your guidance counselor would say is, well, you should find a career that you can get paid at. Um, which is still true. Right. <laughs> Good <true>. point. <laughs> so what but, did you do to pursue that? <laughs> uh, the only thing I ever really wanted to do was be a writer. And I really, really didn't know kind of threw me off the rails. You know, well, if I can't do what I really love to do, then I'm not sure what to do. Um, so I did uh, go to Bible college and that's where I met my first husband and, and I loved being in the ministry. Uh, I enjoyed being a minister's wife. Uh, and, 
have been a part of the congregation and, and uh, you know, I, I love that part of it. And like you said, you learn empathy, you learn you know, the needs of others uh, uh, and, uh, and the joy of being a servant. Uh, you know, through those things. I just really enjoyed that. So <clears throat> when that marriage ended, um, I tell you, the guilt came guilt came upon me because I thought, how will my Bible college friends look at me? You know, oh, you have a big red D on your forehead where you've been divorced and worse yet, you've divorced from a minister. <laughs> um, but, you know, they opened their arms to me and they had great love and compassion for me. Uh, and forgiveness, and it just really helped me. So, um, you know, I, I came home. I started a new life again. Uh, I started working in insurance because that was definitely a place you could get a job at the time. And then uh, I, I just continued to pursue the writing, you know, behind the behind the scenes. What kind of things were you writing? At the time, I was doing children's stuff because, you know, um, that's what everybody thinks that you start out as, writing children's stuff. They think it's easy. <laughs> They're like wrong. stories or books? Or... <laughs> yeah, children's, children's little stories for children and little plays and stuff like that. Uh, I had started uh, writing a book about one of my children. Um, I have a son who has mild mental retardation. Uh, he has fragile X syndrome. And so I had started writing a book not about me, uh, or about it, well, of course, it did have things in it about Chase and the, about the fragile X syndrome, but more so about how uh, you know, the questions that parents who have disabled children ask. Uh, and you're afraid that you know, the average person would go, "How could you ever ask such a question?" Uh, and that's where I started writing. There, I think it was kind of therapeutic. Uh, you know, learning to raise a child that had a disability and uh, learning to become an advocate that child and uh, you know learning to say this is not going to be something that prevents him from being the best person that he can be and uh, he may not be the best as everybody else by everybody else's standards but he will be a functional working adult and he is at 35 now he is um, so that was where I started writing um, and then I, I just kind of fell into the Blue Ridge Christian Blue Ridge Mountain Christian Writers Conference that was my first conference so it wasn't until really I was into my 40s before I really uh, was able to pursue this as, you know, something that was real. Really? Yeah. That's encouraging because there are a lot of people that feel, you know, they've, they've missed the boat. But you said you didn't start until you were, you know, middle-aged, right? Right. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's, that's excellent. Excellent yeah. to hear. Uh, I went through the divorce. I knew when I went through the divorce that I had a book in me and it was, and I even knew what I was going to call the book, but I knew that I couldn't write the book at that point in my life. The book I wanted to write was called New Sheets, like sheets that you put on your bed. Okay. Uh, because, but I knew that I couldn't write the book at the time. I had to wait until I had enough life behind me to write it and be able to look back at it and say, look at it with clear eyes, you know, with, different eyes. Uh, and so I did that in 2011. I wrote that little devotional book <clears throat> called New Sheets. Uh, and, and it came strictly from uh, when I went to bed after the divorce, I couldn't sleep. How could I 
how can I finally go to sleep here? And I realized, you know, no matter how much you wash your sheep, your sheep, you still smell cologne on them. And, and so I couldn't move ahead until I bought new sheets. And and in our family, that has become kind of a family tradition. So uh, when our family goes through uh, our chips are really exciting times, we buy new sheets. Because it's, like, <laughs> it's starting all over. So when all my kids left home, I looked at my husband and I said, I'm buying sheets this time. I'm buying a bedspread. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So you did remarry. I did remarry. I've been married 29 years. I'll be married 30 years uh, in June. So a wonderful man. Uh, and did you have more than the one child? I have two children myself and my husband has two kids. And, uh, of course, we've raised them all. And they're all, you know, great young men. We have four boys. Really? Yeah. There's a book in there someplace. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's all in new sheets. (laughs) Okay. All right. So No Sheets is a, what, just an inspirational book? Yeah, New Sheets is just a little, a little header page devotional. Okay. Okay. uh, But it looks, it takes, it takes your life as a whole, divides it into sections. You know, like in our younger years, it's kind of like that rough time of muslin sheets. Okay. And we hit our middle age where it's, you know, for kale, everything's kind of smooth. (laughs) (laughs) And then we hit the years that we're in now, and it's like, you know, Egyptian cotton. I want the good stuff now. So, okay. um, Just a fun little devotional. But I think that 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 was something I knew I wanted to do as a writer, but I knew that I, I had enough common sense to know I needed to have enough, you know, time behind me, a life behind me, before that I could really write it with, with clear eyes. Now, um, is that available on Amazon as well? It is. It is. Okay. Available on Amazon uh, and also through Lighthouse Publishing of the Carolinas. Actually, Lighthouse chose to publish that book for me. Um, but uh, that, that was kind of the first uh, thing that I really got serious about writing. I, I was trying to learn to write fiction on the side. I was writing nonfiction for the bulk of things. Uh, so devotions, uh, articles, you know, that type of stuff after I went. Right. Um, so, uh, and then that's where Christian Devotions came in because my ministry partner, Eddie Jones, and I started Christian Devotions so that we could offer an opportunity for writers who had never been published to have that opportunity to be published and to get that first writing credit. So is it a publishing company or...? A Christian Devotions Ministries is not. It's a, it is a ministry. It's a website. Uh, we have several websites, but uh, ChristianDevotions.us is the devotional site. And uh, we, we do 365 devotions a year, uh, and the majority of those are brand new writers. We have some who are not, uh, but for the most part, the bulk of those people are new uh, writers who have never had an opportunity to be published. And so we've worked very hard and God has blessed us. That was part of the prayer that we get for Christian devotions when we decided to start this ministry was that, you know, God would lead us to those people that he um, wanted to have opportunity. And not only that, but that would he put us in touch with the people who were key people in the publishing industry and with editors and agents who would respect what we were doing. Uh, and and help us build credibility. So, 
uh, God answered that prayer. So now it's nice to know that a lot of publishers and editors and uh, peruse the website all the time. Uh, so walk me through a scenario of someone, well, let's say someone who has published a book already mm-hmm. and is struggling. Do you help that person as well? or? Sure. Um, okay, so yeah. what what exactly do you do when that person comes to you? How do you well, help them? We uh, we have several volunteers who um, uh, are really good writers, they're good editors, and they we offer to mentor them. So these writers and editors that work with us will take these people one-on-one and work with them via email and kind of mentor them through. Now, we don't rewrite the work for them, but we show them how. Um, you know, so what kind of work are you referring to now? Well, if they're writing, about- let's say they're writing a devotion that I'd like to have or they're struggling with. Um, some of our editors will mentor them through how to do that and get it up where it's okay to be published. Um, we also have some of those people who are willing to help um, mentor on some of the basics of writing. So if somebody comes to us and needs some help, we're not going to shove them away and say, no, no, don't go away. We're going to find somebody that can help. Them. Uh, if we can't help them ourselves, we'll, we'll put them in the direction. Of okay. And what about Just marketing? Really volunteer their time to do that. And what about marketing? Do you help with that as well, or uh, within Lighthouse Publishing of the Carolinas, we do. Uh, within Christian Devotions, we don't. Now we do a, a writers conference called the Asheville Christian Writers Conference uh, slash Writers Bootcamp that comes up here in February and. Uh, we do, do a great amount of training uh, during Writers Boot Camp uh, on on social media and building a platform and basic writing skills, uh, you know, and all that kind of good stuff. So we're kind of multifaceted. We do all kinds of stuff. Well, that sounds very, you know, really uh, enterprising for one, <laughs> for one, but certainly would help um, a variety of different people. I- and are these all Christian writers, or, or will you um, help others as well? Oh, no, we'll help. We, we, we do not. We feel like our ministry extends uh, Christians. Okay. <laughs> you know, okay. so if we ran upon somebody that needs some help, um, we're happy to do that. I mean, and I guess what makes this ministry a little bit more unique, we work with all volunteers, and none of us are paid. Even myself and Eddie are not paid. Um you know, we, we do it because we feel like this is what God has called us to do. And part of the job of Christian devotions and the people who work with us within Christian devotions is that um, we want to train people to have good, wholesome writing. If they come from a secular market where they, uh, you know, they fall prey to what the world wants them to write, then we have an opportunity to sit down with those people um, and say, why do you like you need to do this? Uh, and and kind of guide them through being bigger and better than what the world tells you to be. Um, so, so, yeah, that, we, we like that. That's a Yeah. I was just going to say that's a very generous offer. That you are yeah. making, and that is on your website, which is Christian Devotion Ministries. ChristianDevotions.us. Okay, ChristianDevotions.us. All right, I'm sure many people will want to check that out. Now, tell me about Mercy's Reign. That is your novel, uh-huh. and also 
uh, you mentioned that you wanted to have a little more life behind you before you did that. Was it because you drew from your life experiences and was there anything parallel in your life that you used in the book? Well, New Sheets was, the devotion on New Sheets was the one that I wanted to okay. have Okay, okay, okay. Mercy's Reign. Let me just start out with a disclaimer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Mercy's Reign. Mercy's Reign is not a personal experience. I had a wonderful childhood. I had wonderful parents. I've never been abused a day in my life. Um, uh, and uh, But I, I'll tell you where the story came from. Um my, my voice, first of all, my voice is very Appalachian, if you can't tell that by talking to me. <laughs> uh, that's where my writing voice lies, too. I was raised in the Appalachian Mountains. My family, you know, very much had, you know, had all those uh, fun things that you do in the old mountain ways. Um, and so I love the culture of the Appalachian Mountains. I don't ever want to lose that culture. So my voice is within the Appalachian Mountains. That's mm. how I write. Uh, but uh, Marcy's reign is set in the 1800s. And, and here's how the story came about. Um, I, my husband worked graveyard. He was working ship work, and he was on a graveyard ship one night. And I woke up about 3 in the morning. I could not go back to sleep. So I flipped on the television. Now, when you flip on the television in this area, I don't know how it is in your area, but in this area, because you're in the heart of the Bible Belt, uh, you flip on the television, and after midnight, you get a lot of different kinds of preachers. And sometimes you get the James uh, 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 Dobson type guys. Other times you get, and Charles Stanley, other times you get those little old mountain preachers that are hellfire and damnation. <laughs> uh, and they kind of slap and stomp and spit when they preach, you know, get all hot and heavy. Uh, and when I turned on the television, that's what I ran into. And I kind of chuckled and I thought to myself, well, he would make a great bad guy. <laughs> a great what why. was that? A great bad guy. I don't know why. He just <laughs> looked like he'd be a great bad guy. But I flipped the channel and then I fell into a documentary. Now, still to this day, I don't know the name of the documentary because I came in on the documentary midway through it. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was a documentary on child abuse under the age of seven. Okay. Uh, and I sat there with a pillow up over my face, peeking out over the edge. Um, it was one of those documentaries that you could not turn off. Uh, but at the same time, you didn't want to watch it either. Mm -hmm. And it just burned a hole in my heart. Um, and I thought, well, I have this creature that, Kind of look like a bad guy, <laughs> and I have this child abuse thing, and it just really uh, it cried out to me as a story that needed to be told. Um, and so, all of Mercy's reign is fiction. There's nothing. There's no truth in the story at all. It's all out of my head. But it is about a young woman who her father was a pastor, a circuit riding preacher in the mountains in the 1800s. Uh, I took the story into the 1800s because I, I thought two things. First of all, I felt like people were, today, that's all you hear is abuse, abuse. No matter what happens, it's abuse, you know. Right. Uh, and so I think we've become a little desensitized to that. Uh, and the, the other thing was I felt like if I put it in the 1800s, then um, people would wrap their heads around it as a fiction story, and it would start to speak. 
um, to and, and hopefully speak to people in a different way mm-hmm. uh, so that they could see really what abuse is. Um, and, you know, we, back when I wrote the story, I, I looked back and there were within a year's time, six children who had been killed by their parents. Hmm. Abuse. Just in our, I mean, just in our cross-state area. Here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was just too many, you know, too many. Uh, and so Marcy's reign is about a young woman who her pastor father uh, is not a very nice man. He uses the scripture to hide behind, to hide his own sin behind and the own atrocities that he does. Uh, and it's her story of redemption. Uh, she has to learn to deal with it. You know, when you're raised and under a situation of child abuse, you don't know anything different. Right. And so this is her story of coming out of that and having to learn that life is not always like it was when I was under that. Um, uh, and so she has to learn to deal learn to trust, and she's angry at God. I wanted people to see, because I did not write this to the Christian world. I wrote it to the secular world. So happened the Christian publisher published it. But I wanted people in the secular world to see that, um, <coughs> excuse me, that, that people who call themselves Christians have a hard time at times too. You know, we're not on a pedestal. Life happens to us just like it happens to everybody else. And we get angry just like they do. Uh, and sometimes we raise our hand at our fist at God and say, I just don't understand. Why are you, you know, why are you letting this happen? Um, and so it, I wanted people to see that there's that redemption for no matter who you are, for no matter what situation you go through. Uh, if you're willing to go to your knees, uh, it, it's available to all of us. Uh, and so uh, the, the message to the church in this story is worship your God, not the preacher. And the, the message to the world is there is grace and mercy when you go to your knees. Uh, so this is it's a very hard story. It's not a peach read. You don't take it to the peach and read it. <laughs> Okay. It's a very hard story. Um, but it it had to be hard. It had to be hard. It had to show some it had to show some scenes that as people who never experienced that, we want to cover our eyes and say that's not really how it happened. Or that's just a movie. That mm. is how it happens and that is where you learn your compassion. Uh Seeing that this is really some of the terrible things that people come up to do to you uh, and to do to a little child. Um, I'll get real graphic in it. Oh, I've been accused of that. Basically, I give you a little scene and your mind takes you. Right, exactly, where there. it wants to go. Yeah. I, I didn't have to put, you know, I didn't have to put those little details in there, but, uh, but it was something I felt like people needed to say, what? life of a child is who is abused, what it does to that child and how that circle of abuse continues until somebody is brave enough to break it. Um, 
So uh, that's what Mercy Train is about. Uh, what kind you know, of feedback have you had? Well, I, I, honest and truthfully, I, I packed my bags figuring I'd be run out by the church. <laughs> 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 Just simply because I chose a preacher, you know, to be the right. bad guy. Um, it actually has been quite the opposite. It, the church has embraced it um, and has said, you know, this is this happens, and it, you know, we don't want to think that any of our ministers have issues, but they do. They're people just like everybody else. That's right. Uh, and they, you know, they all the temptation and the sin, just like everybody else does. Uh, and um, and so. The church actually has, I was surprised that the church has embraced it. Uh, I was ready and completely prepared for uh, all Being of the Being ostracized. Yeah. yeah, to be ostracized by those people, but for the reviews to be bad because it's a hard story. And actually, it, it has been quite the opposite. In fact, I wasn't prepared for people sending me their stories. Um, now, I was, I had to go to, I had to go to a couple of professionals here in town and say, look, I need a list of people that I need to refer these folks to because uh, I, I wasn't expecting that <laughs> people would, you know, start to tell me their story. Right. And, uh, and, and those people I needed to be able to guide to the right people who could help them uh, with that. So the story has been, it's, it has been embraced. It's a hard story. Um, I knew it was a hard story, and I'm grateful that Kriegel Publications saw the redemption in the story to give it an opportunity. It is a bestseller now. Um, On Amazon? or I know it's a bestseller across the country. <laughs> Wonderful. So, um, and we're hoping that it will be going into uh, major book chains, uh, where they're working now on getting it into major book chains uh, on their book clubs. So, book is done well. Uh, we're working now on book two. Um, so, uh, it's been, it really has been a blessing. Um, like I said, I wasn't prepared for good stuff. I was preparing myself to be plastic. <laughs> That's interesting. So, you yeah. went in with, with no preconceived ideas that this uh, was going to, you know, make this kind of mark, and yet it has. Uh, it what has. a wonderful surprise for you. Yeah. And, and it has been a I mean, like I said, it's been a blessing. I was amazed at the people that I have heard from because people will write you little notes and say, uh, you know, what it meant for them to read that book. And that it was right. hard to read. They always say it was hard. It was hard to read. Now, why do you keep referring to that many, many times that it's a hard book, a hard story, a hard read. Can you expound a little bit on that? What do you mean by that? Well, as far as simplicity of reading, it's a fast read. You can read through it in a couple of days and it's, you know, and it's a fast read. As far as hard story, the subject matter is hard, you know, and, uh, and so, because we don't want to deal with that. We, we really don't want to deal with it. See, child abuse on television, we think, oh, that's just so sad. And it, we don't want to deal with what it does to people, what it truly does to them. Okay. So in that sense is why I say it's a hard story. Uh, it ends good. It ends happy. But she has to hit, this character has to basically lose everything before she realizes that she has to uh, 
she had to go to God on her way back. And so it's tough in subject matter. So it, but it's it's a good story. It needed to be told. And you're proud of it. I am proud of it. I'm good. It. <laughs> now tell us about Straight Street Books. You know, <laughs> I what is say, that? I want to say say that five times real fast. I know. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, Straight Street Books is uh, an imprint of Lighthouse Publishing in the Carolinas, as well as uh, Sunrise Devotionals, and I serve as the managing editor and acquisitions for both of those uh, imprints. Um, Straight Street is nonfiction, so it, it's our nonfiction imprint, uh, and. And Lighthouse Publishing of the Carolinas was actually born from Christian Devotions. Now it's it's a separate entity now, and it's its own publishing company, and it's it's owned, owned by uh, my ministry partner. But uh, it has grown by leaps and bounds, uh, with the same uh, pretense behind it. We love to you know find those authors who have not had the opportunity. You know, publishing is such a hard thing right now. And you, if you're a new writer that's got good work, you know, your, your stuff is really good. Um, but sometimes it, it's hard to find, to get your foot in the door. Uh, and so Lighthouse has been, uh, has been a real stepping stone for a lot of authors. Which was that again now? Lighthouse Publishing has been a step okay. a lot of publishing. Do you recommend uh, or do you have any thoughts on self-publishing? Um, I have thoughts on self-publishing. <laughs> first of all, I, I do not self-publish. And I, I have never self-published. But um, because I think there's something to having bloody names. Um, I think there's something to waiting for your time to come um, and not being impatient about that um, and trying to rush it through. Uh, I think there are lots of times when you self-publish that you need to self-publish. Uh, if you're a speaker and you have a platform of speaking that you can sell those books of, up, you know, at the back door, uh, by all means, self-publish it. My biggest thing about self-publishing is that I think authors, it's a tool that authors know they have now, so they skip the in-between things that they need to not skip, and that means uh, they skimp on the editor, they skimp on hiring an editor, they skimp on hiring somebody that can do a good book cover so that it doesn't look like Okay, so the professional edge is basically what yes. you're saying is missing. Yes. Now, if you're going to do work, do it well. Uh, put a good self-published book out there and go the extra route, you know, to get to secure what you need to secure to put a good piece of work out there. It will eventually come back to bite you. Um, you know, I, we run across authors all the time who say, I self-published this five years ago. I wish I'd never done that. You know, because they've grown in their, they've grown in, in honing the craft. Uh, and, you know, they look back now at what they rushed to self-publish and they, they see how much their work has improved over what it was. The, mm. You know, so that, that's my thing about self-publishing. I just want people, if they're going to self-publish, I want you to do it the right way. And so what you're offering as one of your services is to help 
people find publishers that will publish their their work. Is that correct? We try to help. Uh, we try to help you. We can't. I mean, you know, I can't say Crickle or you know Kindle or anybody will take your work. Um, yeah, but we can try to point them toward other places that might be looking at it because we do talk to other editors and uh, and kind of know what other uh, houses are looking for it. Doesn't okay. Well, that's very good information. I'm sure that uh, there's probably a lot of people that would definitely be interested in that. As well as reading your book, it sounds a, a compelling read, as you as you mentioned. Probably touches a lot of nerves in yeah. Mercy's me, reign. Let me just add one thing, too, about Lighthouse Publishing. We, okay. we are like other public publishers. We are small, and we cannot take unsolicited material. So we ask people to meet with us at conferences. We're at a lot of conferences across the country throughout the year. Uh, and if we, of course, if you have an agent that can help us, um, you know, by submitting your work, just that way. So don't just send us your work and say, "Oh, look at it," because as a submission, because we we have a very small staff, we can't just mm-hmm. you know makes sense, right? So just just so you're clear on that, meet with us at a conference, talk with us, write for us on Christian Dimensions, um, and you know, give us an opportunity to get to know you. We want to know your heart. Sounds to me like you have a lot of heart (laughs) and trying to help people. You know, it's that's a a wonderful attribute and to help, to encourage, to guide. Uh, And you're a speaker. Where, what, um, where do you speak? What kind of forums are these? Just at the conferences, the writers' conferences, or what are you referring to there? Oh no, I speak. Well, yeah, I have spoken at writers' conferences. I teach at writers' conferences, but I've done a lot of women's conferences, too. Um, you know, so I have spoken quite a bit at women's conferences across the country. So um, that's fun. That's always fun. Absolutely. <laughs> and encouraging, isn't it? Yes, yes. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Cindy. This has been, uh, I really appreciate what you shared in many different areas. And we look forward to not only checking out Mercy, Mercy's, <laughs> can't say that either, Mercy's reign, but also uh, Christian Devotional Ministries, christiandevotions.us. Uh, we'll, you also have your book, New Sheets, which we will want to put on uh, the website as well as Mercy's Reign. So there's quite a diverse diversity there, and that's appreciated. And I know that people will want to definitely connect with you. I thank you, and I hope that you can shovel your way out okay out of that snow. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. We have to try to shovel our way out. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Carol. You're welcome, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.